Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm like a person with like a 19th century wasting disease. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. There's just two minutes left. They just have to do this. They've almost exploded the whatever. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. It's like I am ready for the alien overlords to come and devour my brain. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to the end of the day, you're not leaving my breakfast table without eating a fruit. Like it's not happening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about going screen free for a week, guys. One week screen free. It's almost time. It's almost time to celebrate screen free week, which is April 29th to May 5th this year. But you can do it whenever you're listening. I was not aware of this quote unquote holiday <laughs> until Amy informed me of it. And I have to say, it was probably like a, two weeks ago. And Amy said, I think we should do screen free week and see how it goes. And I was like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. And I'm not doing it. And I'm scared. But she convinced me. And then what changed your mind? You did. You made, you guilted <laughs> me into it. Well, this is like, I have done this and you haven't, right? So this is going to be a little experiment. I have done this before with my kids and it was actually a, a great success and very eye-opening. You have said that. I mean, it is ridiculous to me. And I'm hoping some people in the audience are feeling the same that like you say to me, like turn off every screen in your house completely for one week. And it's like ice runs in my veins. Like you might as well say like jump out of an airplane. Like it's really a terrifying concept to me. You have to like lean into the Laura Ingalls Wilder feeling that you're going to have for a couple of days. Like it will be there. You're going to feel like I'm in a log cabin and this is oldie timey. And it really only works if every Everybody does it. So as we seem to figure out every week on this podcast, whatever we're talking about, if we want our kids to do it, we have to do it too. If we want our kids not to yell, then we have yeah. to not yell, right? Thanks a lot, <laughs> so kids. If we want our kids to be screen-free, then we have to go screen-free too. I'm doing it. I've agreed to it, but I'm still like, I'm shaking in my shoes. Yeah. I thought we'd talk about why we were going to do it first. I mean, you're kind of already on board, but I need to steal your resolve, I think. Yeah. I mean, we can definitely talk about the why, but I mean, mostly I'm doing it because Amy told me too, but let's talk about some of the whys underneath that maybe. For those of you who are not as susceptible to Amy's demands. The latest reason, the reason I'm doing it this time is because of something that Dr. Mogul said when we interviewed her, which was that our kids these days have feelings of rivalry, not with their siblings, but with their parents' phones. 
Yeah. That they are competing for my attention with my phone. And talk about ice in my veins. That was a tooth bomb for me. And ever since then, I have found myself saying, like, my daughter's telling me about something about her play practice at school. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, kid. Listen, but this candy right. isn't going to crutch itself, all right? Right. My eyes are on my screen. I'm scrolling. No, mm-hmm, I'm totally listening. I'm totally listening. And, and I, I've caught myself doing that a few times. And I've actually started to be very intentional about saying, I'm being rude. I'm going to put this phone away. Can you tell me that again? And I've done that maybe a half dozen times just in the last couple of days. I've found myself doing it. At least I'm stopping, but I totally do it with my kids. And of course, they do it with me. But again, if I want them to put down the phone and look at me when I'm talking to you, what better way can I make that happen than modeling that behavior? Well, my sister has a phrase which I've talked about, which is whatever people tell you they are, believe the opposite. And the exact example for me is I'm always like, I'm not that into my phone. I'm not like people who are into their phones. I don't have an Instagram account. So I like, don't take pictures of my food. So I just assume that I'm a person who's not on my phone that much. And then recently, my husband and I upgraded our phones because he lost his phone and we're together for very uninteresting reasons. We ended up with the new versions of the new phones, which has a lot of like bells and whistles that I don't care about. And it's supposed to recognize my face and it never does. So anyway, I have some other does. issues. Never with that. Does. <laughs> but it'll be nice to get away from that for a week. Like this is my face and screaming that at a small screen, which is not very yep. self-actualizing. But one of the features, I suppose, on the new phone of me, person who doesn't think they're on their screen much, is that I get a little pop-up sometimes that are like your screen time for yesterday, the amount of time you spent on the screen. And the first day I had it, it was five hours and 57 minutes. Yep. Me too. I'm only awake for 14 (laughs) hours a day, but it's true. I sit in my bed when I wake up in the morning and I read the news for half an hour to 45 minutes on my phone. When I get Mm -hmm. into bed at night, We watch TV and while we're watching TV, I play a game on my phone or scroll through Facebook. That can easily be three hours right there. So like before my feet hit the ground, I'm four hours in sometimes on my phone. That is insanity. Yeah. And I want that to stop. Like it's poisonous. And during the day, I feel like I'm out and about. I will also say wintertime makes this all so much worse. Like in the winter, we have an open floor plan house. So like it's hard to get away from the children. And so I tend to like go into my room and then I'm always freezing cold. (laughs) And so I have an electric blanket. But I have gotten into like this habit of getting in my bed under the electric blanket and scrolling Twitter. I'm like a person with like a 19th century wasting disease. Like I'm in bed bed on my phone during the day. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's the continuous partial attention. I mean, how much more would I get done if I wasn't stopping to check social media every 90 seconds? So I've cured myself of this and now I'm right back in it. So you, I think this is a resetting that needs to Total back to one. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the relationship episode too. My husband and I are constantly like, we don't have time to talk. We never just sit and chat with each other. We lie next to each other for two hours a day staring at screens. It's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Like it's another area where like, what if we use that time to chat with each other and smile at each other's faces? Might be a game changer. There must be some statistic, I wish I had it for you, on like our birth rates declining. (laughs) 
with the, you know, the advent of smartphones, right? As like the, the usage of smartphones has gone up or the percentage of people who have them have birth rates decline, they must have. Yeah. Who's doing that when you can look at Twitter for five more minutes? I mean, when you think about like the oldie timey sitcoms though, like you definitely always saw oldie Lux alert. Back in my day. Carol and I cannot believe I cannot think of her husband's name, Brady. Mike, Mike Brady. Mike, Carol and Mike Brady. She was always like in bed reading a book. Like it was never like she was like in bed being like, hey, come on, let's chat. I mean, I do think some of it is like at the end of the day, you need some downtime. Like you're not going to sit there and stare in each other's eyes for two hours a night and have deep talks. But the problem is this continuous partial attention, right? That we feel like we live in a multitasking age where we sort of pride ourselves on being able to listen to the news. And like I sometimes I, I ride the Peloton bike and I'll also listen to the news because I can't just sit and look at one screen for half an hour. Too boring. I have to also listen to something else. It's so funny. And the, the biggest example for me is like going to the bathroom and reading your yep. phone at the same time. It's like, what am I doing? Can I really not just be alone for the three seconds that this interaction takes? Like, it's insane. Well, okay. So this is, Lee Stringer calls us the importance of boredom. Can I read you a quote about this? Yes, you She can. says, if you need more motivation... Not that it sounds like you do, but she says getting into the right mindset for writing or deep analytical thinking requires more than just removing distractions. It requires calming the mind and creating a mental capacity for new ideas. This process involves being bored and daydreaming. We have to sort of make room for that. Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote Hamilton, created Hamilton, talks about this, that he had written a show called In the Heights, which was a Broadway success, but nothing like Hamilton. And was like, what are you doing next? And he was just like, I don't know. I, he, I don't have any ideas. I don't have any ideas. And then after In the Heights ended, his wife basically was like, we're taking an actual vacation where we sit around and do nothing. And they went and in the airport, he picked up the book Hamilton and he was sitting on the beach and he was like, this is, he said it came to him just mm -hmm. sitting on the beach. Like, but without that time where you are not just constantly filling every second pause with like, what's next, what's next? You can't write Hamilton. You guys could all write Hamilton this week if you just give up screens. Well, just think of the Hamiltons that aren't being yeah. written while we're all curating our Instagram feed. J.K. Rowling has the same story, basically. And I actually did a presentation to my kids' class. They had me come in and talk about creativity. Talk about a tough crowd, like second graders. And I'm <laughs> sort of, this is how you live a creative life. Right. They're like, whatever, um, lady. But the story that they all sat up and paid attention was the J.K. Rowling version of the same story. She was sitting on a train. She was looking out the window. She did not have a phone. She did not have a book. Like she had nothing to do. She was looking out the window on a four-hour train ride. And all of a sudden, from the heavens into her lap, what if there was a wizard school, right? A wizard and witch boarding school. And there was a boy who didn't know he was a wizard until he went. Oh, I, I literally just got goosebumps when you said that out loud. I got like a chill. And it just came to her and she didn't even have a pen. So she sat there for the rest of the train ride imagining, like I would have found a pen and started scribbling. Like she thinks there was even something to like, I had nothing to get this idea down with. So I just wandered through it for the next several hours looking out the window. And she had like the first four books sketched out in her head when she got off the train. If you don't allow that space for quiet, you're blocking out. And also, I mean, for a lot of people, and for people who've had traumas and people who've just have generalized anxiety or whatever, also what can come to you in those quiet moments is like sadness and grief and anxiety and worry and like the deepest things you're worried about. And I think that's a huge reason why we push this stuff away. You're afraid to have quiet time because it'll give you 
time to think about that like horrible failure you had. But even those things are good to let come up. Like this mm. sensation of like, I can push it away by running fast, 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 fast. Spoiler alert, guys, from a 47 year old, it doesn't work. That thing is going to catch you at some point. So like allow the quiet space to let in the good and the bad. The problem I think is that our kids, like we understand the importance of doing this because there is some part of our long-term memory that remembers the feeling of not doing right. this, right? Of not having phones. And our kids are digital natives. They were born into this. They were born into, I mean, I am such an annoying old lady when I try to tell my kids every day how amazing it is that if you wonder what butterflies eat, you can pull out the computer in your pocket and have the answer in 15 seconds. You don't have to like try to remember the next time you're in the school library to go to the World Book Encyclopedia and hopefully it, it's there. That the world is at your fingertips is this, I think, the most salient difference between their childhood and mine. And they're totally not impressed by it. But, you know, there's costs to that. And so I think it's even more important for us to sort of impose the screen-free thing on our kids at some point because they need to feel what it's like. Oh, absolutely. I mean, have to. And from my point of view, like, there are a lot of good reasons that your kids will never understand. But uh, it doesn't matter. Like your kids don't really have to understand the reasons. They just have to do it. It's like my, my son who is uh, still a horribly picky eater. I'm like, I don't care what it is. Pick a fruit to have with your breakfast. He just hates eating fruit. Hates it. Always has. And he's and he's down to basically just apples at this point. And I'm like, you got to pick a fruit. And whenever he's like, why? I'm like, if you don't eat fruit, it makes it harder to poop. And if you don't care about that, you have to eat fruit because I told you to and I pay the bills. Like, you got to do it. If you want to get into the reason, I will show you a diagram of nutrition and how fiber works. But I don't care if you don't want to know. You still have to do it. Here's what's in it for us as parents. There was a study that found for kids just one hour a day of screen time. And like you said, we have six. Six. <laughs> our, our small empirical study, six. You could have knocked me over with a feather. Six. Six. So for kids, one hour a day of screen time makes kids less curious, less able to finish tasks, less emotionally stable, and have less self-control. I'm going to give that information a maybe, a firm maybe. But okay. These kind of studies tend to be a little self-fulfilling. You don't know the other factors at play. I don't think allowing your kids to have one hour of screen time a day is a bad thing. I think two hours is worse than one. I think three hours is worse than two. But think of it this way. Do you want your kids to be, have more self-control, be more emotionally stable and be able to finish the thing you told them to do? Yeah, but I don't think it's realistic to live in a world where my kids are not going to watch an hour of screens a day. One hour of screens a day? I don't think that's realistic. I mean, we're going to take a week off. We're going to do it. But like, I don't think one hour of screens a day is is terrible. No, it isn't I'm terrible. It. But And I, I worry about studies that are like, even looking at a screen is causing all this depression and stuff. It's like screens are part of our lives. We have to figure out how to manage them, you know? Well, yeah, but I don't I don't disagree with this idea that even an hour has effects. We can lower it and we can be proud of ourselves for controlling it and we should control it, but we have to control it because they're this powerful. That's what I get out of this study. I'm not getting out of this study that there should not be even an hour of screen time for our kids. I agree. That's not practical. But I do think it's true that no matter how much screen time we use, it changes us. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like screens are, you know, there are some positives to screens. They, my kids have 45 minutes of screens after school and I think it helps them decompress. I think it helps them like shift into a new part of the day. 
I mean, I'm not anti-screen. I just think five hours and 57 minutes a day is too much. Right, right. We we would all be surprised. That screen time thing, it's funny. It's not in the, uh, it's not in Apple's best interest to show us how, how much screen time we have. <laughs> I know. What are they doing that for? Like, don't they want us on our screens? All right. So when we come back, Amy, we're going to talk about how we're going to make this work. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to seeing optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate. Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Okay, we're back, Amy. How are we going to make this work? I'm very interested. You go to screenfree.org, which they're not a sponsor. It's a .org, but I think it's just a great thing. And they they have things you can download that explain to the family sort of why we're doing this, how we're going to do this. And you have to make it, like I said, a whole family thing because there's nothing worse. We've all had this experience of our kids are going out to dinner and you say like, we're not bringing the iPad. You're going to sit and you're going to talk to your friends, your cousins, whoever it is. And then you get there and the other kids have the iPads for the long car ride, the restaurant, the vacation at Disney World, whatever. And then your kid is like, what the hell? Because the kid that they're supposed to converse with is fully invested in their screen, right? Like it's, you can't make this one-sided. So we have to all do it. And I think you kind of own it. I remember we did this at least five years ago, but I remember sitting down with my kids and saying, okay, we're going to do this and we're all going to do this together. You do have to sell it a little bit as a crazy experiment adventure that you're going to do together because it is, it's a big undertaking, at least at first. Oh, my kids are going to freak out when I tell them about this. That's the part I'm scaredest of. (laughs) Scaredest? Yeah, we can do it. It's just whether we can survive the day where I tell them we're doing it that I'm not really clear on. 
You know, it, it occurs to me, I went to a presentation about vaping and teenagers and this, you know, I'm not going to talk about vaping, but the woman who was presenting it, she said, if we want our kids not to vape, then the way into it is to say to them, can you believe that these companies make like Tootsie Roll and Swedish fish flavored nicotine to give to you? Can you believe that they think that they can sell that to kids? And the sort of indignation at the man is what will get your kids to react against it. Okay. What's the screen parallel though? I'm not following. I think the way in is to talk to your kids about, do you see how you finish the level? I mean, we all know you try to get your kids off the screens. They have to finish the level. They have to finish the world. There's just two minutes left. They just have to do this. They've almost exploded the whatever, how that stuff is built to keep you on and keep you using and not disengaging. Yeah. And if you talk to them about that, like, do you see how they're tricking us? It is a way in that my kids could get their hooks into and could respond to like, you're right. And then they're sort of a little bit invested in showing that they can do it. You know, it's us against them. They think that we can't put these down. We're going to just for a week and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious. I don't think doing it is going to be that hard. I think breaking it to them is going to be horrendous. <laughs> I think you're right. Because one of the things that I advocate for, and this is what really works for our family around screens, screen-free times and screen-free spaces. And so we do a lot of that. Like we never bring screens to a table. No one ever sits at a meal with a screen. And I mean, again, my kids are younger. Like I know when my kids don't have their own phone that they have in their pocket all the time. So like that's not a battle we're fighting yet. We don't have screens in the car. When we go on vacation with my sister for the summer, we're, it's screen-free. When we go on vacation, basically, we're like, we don't use screens on vacation. Like, My kids are fine doing it. But on the flip side, like we have screen-free time. So I'm like, you have 45 minutes of screens after school. And it's become the kind of problem where I limit it, which is good. It's a very limited amount of time. But my kids, I'll be like, oh my God, it's a gorgeous day. Let's walk down and get ice cream in town. And they're like, oh, we'll miss our screen time if we do that. Like, They're so invested in now, right after school, is screen-free time that they're not flexible. Right. So I'm hoping that we can, I can show them during screen free week, like, Hey, if you don't have to rush home for screens, I can bring like tennis rackets to pick up and we can go and like go to the public court and hit tennis balls around for a while. Isn't that more fun than like sticking your face in and playing roadblocks? Like I'm going to try to do like, make it really fun and sort of say like, Hey, not screens, lots of fun. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be, every day doesn't have to be a basket of puppies. You can, like you said, go get ice cream or like bring a soccer ball. You do have to prepare a little bit. I get the birthday presents from the back of the closet, you know, like the spin art set that you like, you, you never actually use and you maybe it just sits around. You kind of pull that stuff out, get ready, have the options ready to go. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Like I said, you don't have to buy tons of stuff, but you're going to have the stuff, get out the Legos and the toys and the stuff that the kids don't usually bother with and just rotate it just like a preschool teacher does. Like sometimes it's blocks and sometimes it's crayons, like have the stuff out. And then the next day I have something else out. My family likes to do puzzles. We've kind of discovered this from like the sort of screen-free imposition and I have older kids. So we'll do like a thousand piece puzzle and just leave it out on a coffee table in the house until it's done. And it can take, you know, three weeks, whatever. Everybody does a couple pieces. Have things like that sort of ready to go so it doesn't feel like the most parched desert that you can imagine. It doesn't have to be. <laughs> and then when you did it, did you underscore? Were you like, isn't this more fun than doing screens? Or did you just sort of let it be what it was? You know what? You let it be what it is because you're going to be, this is how it was for us. And this is how I'm expecting it to be again. For like the first 48 hours, it's weird. You're itchy. You're a little irritable without it. You know, a little like, what am I going to do? 
but you almost immediately notice the sort of ghost going to look at the phone, going to pick up the phone, going to fill the moment, right? Fill, fill the elevator ride with pulling my phone out as if I didn't just check it three minutes ago. You notice that. And that's what keeps you going. Oh, I mean, truly. Or like they have the screen in the elevator and you're like, what is the weather going to be like on Thursday? Like, it's like, we're such uh, yes. hamsters, you know, like it's madness. And so it's like you, you, the first the first two days, like you're detoxing and you do feel it. But on the other hand, you also say like, oh my God, like how many times do I go pick up my phone? So here, this is a good tip that I didn't do last time. But I'm going to do this time. Catherine Price has a website called screenlifebalance.com and her ideas have just gotten a lot of attention because there was an article in the New York Times about breaking up with your phone. Kevin Roos wrote a story called How I Ditched My Phone and Unbroke My Brain, and I'll put it up on our show page, or you can find it on the notes on this podcast app that you're listening to just by scrolling or tapping. It'll be there. But anyway, she says that what you should do is put a rubber band around your phone. So it's sort of a uh, a speed bump, a mental speed bump. So you remember that you're doing this. And then if you want to use it, you have to take it off. Yeah. But but you're, you're going to see the rubber band every time and be like, oh, I'm not supposed to be using it. And she says you can change your lock screen. I like this idea. Kevin Roos did this in the New York Times article. When you unlock your phone, your home screen looks at you saying, what for? Wow. Why now? What else? That's kind of cool. And he didn't do screen free week. He was like, I'm not going to, I think it was a month or something, you know, kind of wanted to do a sea change in how he, how he did things. We're talking about going hardcore for a week, but you'll, I think you'll see like when we were done last time and I was sort of like, we're done. You guys can play Xbox if you want. They didn't. They were back to the tinker toys. It was crazy. It took a long time for us to get back to the level of all screens all the time that we were at because you, it's, it's fun to do other stuff. I have a friend who works in a secure facility and they have a lockbox for your phone. So like he walks to work, puts his phone in the lockbox and goes to work. And uh, I always say to my husband, our whole lives would change if we would put one of those outside of our bedroom door. If we could train ourselves and we're going to do it as part of like our screen free week, it's like we don't bring the phones into the bedroom at night. Like that is really for me two and a half hours of screen time. We didn't have a TV in our room for the first seven or eight years we were married because we were both like, I can't stand people who like lie in bed and watch TV. It seemed gross. But the problem is like our open floor plan house means if we want to watch like Game of Thrones or something, we can't even watch it in the living room because it's too loud. You know, we have to like keep muting it because the kids' bedrooms are right above us. And so we put a TV in our room with the idea of like, then we can watch some things on our own time or when the kids are in the living room, we could still watch something. But it is like lying in bed and watching TV while playing games on your phone is, it's the lowest form of human existence. <laughs> it's like, I am ready for the alien overlords to come and devour my brain. Like I have set up perfectly. The other thing I wanted to say is that I think bribery is a little bribery here is, uh, is okay with the kids. You know, unhacking your brain should be its own reward. But if your eight-year-old isn't so sold, then if you get through the week, then you'll do something fun. My daughter's fifth grade teacher did this with her whole homeroom. What happened was the school discovered that the kids were using Google Docs during class to communicate with each of other, course. which this is a whole new thing. There's an article in The Atlantic about it, and I'll put that up in the show notes too. These fifth graders were using Google Docs somewhere. Some in the class were using Google Docs to communicate with each other. And of course, it was 
communicating unkindly with each other because that's it's what, the new passing notes, right? Google, it's the new passing your notes. Google Doc. And they and it didn't, you know, it, I think like the, the teachers were dumbfounded, like they're doing what they were communicating with each other live, and you're, you know, you're a crybaby and you're this. So they so oh children yes so no more no more Google Docs no more you know Chromebooks in a fifth grade classroom and she said we're going to go screen free for a month everybody in here is going to go screen free for a month and if you do no homework for two weeks and those kids were like yeah we'll do yeah, it yeah. we'll do anything charging the castle and so my daughter went screen free at home for well she did about two and a half weeks and then she got the flu and then she was out of school for like you know ten days and then there were screens. But the kids didn't have the fear of missing out thing that's so hard about. We all have this, right? Like, what happened in my email inbox or on Twitter for 30 seconds while I wasn't looking? I got to get back on there. That fear of missing out went away for them. She wasn't worried about what, who was going to be saying what to who or who, you know, because nobody was on the screens, her whole class. Twitter is the worst at that. I'm always like, for some reason now, there's a gerbil part of my brain that is like, what is the third lead from that sitcom I don't watch? take on what's going on in the news. <laughs> like, why do I right. care? But I am like addicted, absolutely addicted. Right. I must know it all. And Twitter is like Facebook and Instagram, all of them, like it's a stream. There's always more, right? They're, they're making more while we're not looking. And so you, you have to be caught up. So this is the thing I would only say is like my strong opinion is that your kids understanding why you're doing this is the least important part of it. And not interesting to me at all, really. You have older kids, it might work better. But like for my kids, it's like, guys, we're too addicted to our screens. We're doing screen free week. It's going to be a fun challenge. And like, yes, there's going to be bribes to make it more fun. I don't have any investment in my kids' understanding. My kids are 10, 8, and 7. We're just not going to have a ton of conversations about like, you know, screens. It's like, they get it. We watch too much screens. They get it. There was like, I have a joke with them where I'm always like, let me check your ears to see if your brains are rotting out of your ears when they <laughs> watch too much screens. And I'm like, we got to like get our, solidify our brains back up, you know? I mean, you're, you're saying you don't need them to buy in because you think they kind of already do. So you don't need to like have a PowerPoint ready about why this is going to happen. Yeah. And I, I just find the whole buy-in aspect. It's like, it's like nutrition too. I mean, good food, good fuel. They kind of get the big concepts, but at the end of the day, you're not leaving my breakfast table without eating a fruit. Like it's not happening. It is a little harder for older kids like teenagers. This is, yeah. this is very charged because my, I have two teenagers. One is sort of atypically uninterested in the phone. And one of his friends said to me recently, like, oh, he never answers his texts. And I'm like, I know, I, I agree. <laughs> like, he never gets back to you. So he's he's known for being weirdly disengaged from this whole world. You know, he loves games. He has he has a 3DS, like, like a, you know, classic 3DS that he's from six years ago that he's still playing games on. But my other child is much more engaged. Like, his social life is on his phone. His friends are on his phone. He hangs around the house on the weekends and like, don't you want to go see somebody do something? And they sort of look at you like, well, why would I? Like my whole world is right here in my, like I am in touch with my friends. Yeah. I'm talking to 18 of my friends right now and they are, and we can think that's like bizarre and strange, but that is how they communicate. So to ask that kid to go screen free right, is more complicated, like not to talk to anybody in the cafeteria for, at lunch for a week or something like, well, like, what am I getting out of that? I'm just going to miss stuff. So I think it's a lot more charged for older kids. And of course, you can't 
they're using their computer for homework and the internet is right there and they have to be on the internet to, you know, submit their English paragraph to their teachers. So it's, it's all more complicated. So for older kids, I think more buy-in is required. I, you know, with my teenager, I am going to do like, let's put the rubber banner on the phone. Let's put this home screen on to get them to just, all I want them to notice is, oh, geez, I do do this rather too much, don't I? Am I using it for a good reason? Okay. The bottom line is, Amy, we're doing this. Here we go. We're going to go start our screen-free weeks. And then we are going to come back and record the last segment of our podcast and tell you how it went. Guys, send thoughts and prayers. We're going into screen-free week. (laughs) Here we go. We're doing it. Okay, so we just did our screen-free week. How was it? It was good. When I had to tell everyone about screen-free week, how did I think you were going to react? Upset. Okay, what was the worst part of screen-free week? I didn't get to watch some of my favorite videos. How many hours did you play for outside yesterday? A lot. Do you think we should do screen-free week again next week? I don't know. Maybe we should. What did we do this week? Screen-free week? How was it? Pretty good, but everyone enjoys to have their screens. Right, guys? Wait a minute. Are you politicking and advocating that my audience should turn against me and let you have your screens back? That's what I'm doing. What was the worst part of Screen Free Week? Missing playing Minecraft. But when I told you it was going to be Screen Free Week, what did you do? Cry. Do you think we should have another Screen Free Week? No, sure. Uh, what did we do this week? No screens at all. How was it? Awesome. You were the person who liked Screen Free Week the most. Yes. But when I told you we were going to do Screen Free Week, what happened? Uh, I was sort of upset. <laughs> like crying? No. Um, did I? I saw tears rolling down your face. But I did not. This is not true. And I did a tiny bit. How much more did you play outside than usual? A lot. It seemed to me you guys were much more imaginative. Yeah. What were some of the things you were imagining about? I was imagining about that fairies would come to my fairy house. I also imagined that we were going to Yukon and we were pretending to go out in our backyard. Do you think we should do another Scream Free Week? Yes. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It is adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. 
Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. OMG, guys, we're back after screen-free week. Amy. (laughs) The other side. Do you know the phrase, the fervor of the convert? The fervor of the convert is like used to describe people who have like a religious conversion. And then of course they become like incredibly huge zealots for their newfound thing. You find this often in people who like go on a diet and they're like, oh my God, you guys, it's as easy as high volume, low fat food. And they like figured out everything about dieting. And then of course, like it doesn't really work out, but I have a bad case of the fervor of the convert. You had a good screen-free experience? No, Amy, I did not have a good screen-free experience. I had an amazing screen-free experience. Oh, good. I'm so glad. All right, tell me. I will say Amy suggested this idea and I was like, no, I'm too scared to tell my kids. I don't want to do that. They're going to yell at me. Like I really, really pushed back. Amy can tell you, I pushed back on this idea. Yeah, I think I wanted to do this last year and you were like, nope, nope. And, And so I brought it back. I just was like, I don't want to do it. Screens make my life easier. I really don't want to get rid of them. I broke it to my kids. My oldest kid, who I would say is the most screen attached, I was like, he's going to freak out. Like, it's going to ruin a day of our lives when, while he adjusts to this concept. My middle kid, also pretty into screens, but kind of a re- more reasonable fellow. I was like, no problem. And my daughter, I was like, she's not going to care at all. I sat down the kids and I broke it to them. And my older guy, who I was so worried about, was like, yeah, that's fine. Wow. Did not react at all. Didn't care. My other two started crying. And we're like, <laughs> we can't do that. We can't do that. That's horrible. We're going to die. And I was like, yeah, we're going to try it. And I did say to them, I was like, this is something everybody across the country is doing, which I think that really helped. Like that was a good way to help sell Yes, it, it totally helps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me tell you, the first day... I will say I bribed them. We went after school to a certain store that does not sponsor us, but it has a big red circle logo. So I told them they had to pick an active toy, right? Something you could play with, like a game they could play or like just not a plushie or something they would sit around with. And so they each picked a Lego set and we came home and it was like, it's screen free week and we're having this big treat of making Legos. And I was sort of worried that I had thrown the whole thing off by establishing that like instead of screens, I was going to be spending like $100 every day on an activity to keep them entertained. And I was kind of kicking myself. Right. Right. I had poor like expectation management, but they did their Legos. They were really into it. And then Tuesday, we went to the library after school. Wednesday, we just came home and they were playing. But my big revelation, like the scales falling from my eyes thing was by Friday, 
my kids were coming home and like the three of them together, like kids from a movie, making up entire Wonderland games and playing outside for three hours at a time, even though it's 45 degrees outside. I thought it was going to just like free up time and be kind of like, okay, well, you know, we used to watch screens and and my, my kids watch 45 minutes of screens when they get home and half an hour before bed. So I was like, we're really only gaining like an hour and 15 minutes. not going to be that big deal. And that's why I kind of didn't want to do it. What I didn't realize is like taking screens out of the equation entirely like changed the DNA of their brains in some fundamental way. After like 48 hours. After like 48 hours. I made them like creative mm-hmm. and imaginative children in a yeah. way that I haven't seen. It was incredible. It's pretty remarkable. Can I give you a quote? Because this puts Please my do. own experience this time into perspective. You know, Cal Newport, who wrote Deep Work, and I talk about that book a lot, buy it, read it. It's, it's all about how there's deep work and shallow work, right? Deep work is I have to write chapter three. Shallow work is I need to pay this electric bill. They're not, one's not good or bad. One just requires deep concentration and one doesn't. You know, we're raising a generation of kids who don't know how to do deep work, who don't have the sort of silence and deck clearing that's required for contemplation or creativity. And we need to help them find that. So he has a new book called Digital Minimalism about how to sort of, you know, use your stuff wisely. Anyway, he talks about high quality leisure and low quality leisure. And low quality leisure is, you know, scrolling Instagram in bed. Like you think you're getting something out of it, but you're not. Like you're getting the little like ka-dink, ka-dink every time somebody likes your photo, but it's the rewards are lower as opposed to high quality leisure. So we did the screen free. My kids are on vacation this week, so that makes it harder because they're sort of around all day. So I did let them use screens if it was in service of high-quality leisure. So my 14-year-old used an app to teach himself how to play the ukulele. I mean, hours of ukulele playing with this app teaching him how to do the chords. That's some high-quality leisure there, Amy. That was high-quality leisure. And with my 11-year-old... We used my laptop and we went on Ancestry.com and we're making a big like pencil and paper family tree that I got, you know, from a catalog. And Ancestry is unbelievable. Within 25 minutes, I go, here's your great, great grandparents marriage license from 1905. And, and you can't believe how, how fast you can get to really interesting stuff. It's totally cool rabbit hole stuff. And so I, I did that with them this week because we had a lot of, a lot of free time, but I felt like that was allowed and we got a lot out of that. Obviously, like we did, we were in the, we were engaging in the physical world. So I felt like that was allowed. And the other sort of special the dispensation, right? We actually, I actually took them to the Magic Kingdom for two days. We went to Disney World and I'm like, Disney World without phones. Can we do this? And I decided that, okay, I'm going to have my phone for emergencies. And because now, now at Disney World, like you can check wait times, you can, you know, order food, you can do this, you can, you know, like call an Uber. Like it was, okay, like I'm going to use my phone because it will make our Disney World experience better. But my kids didn't bring their phones and we didn't stand in the 60 minute line for It's a Small World looking at our phones. We couldn't do that. We had to talk to each other. Imagine that. And we did it. I did the thing that you talked about in the beginning of, I put a thick rubber band. I bought some leaks. So like picture that big, thick rubber band that comes around leaks. And um, I put it around my phone and it really helped me out because I work and, you know, I'm in communication with people. I need my phone in my hands all day, but it really helped me not like just fall into that thing of like, because I manage our Facebook page. So then I'm on Facebook managing the What Fresh Health stuff. And then 
suddenly I'm like, oh, but let's see what my seventh grade boyfriend is up to too. Like it's like it's just such a slippery slope of like once you open that door, like you're in mindless internet world and it's hard to like but putting the rubber band on was like oh i'm just taking the rubber band off to check my thing and then i'm gonna go put it back on it helped me a lot yeah and it helps and and we've talked about susan dominus wrote about this how to like sort of narrate to your kids so i would do that since we're in line for it's a small world talking and i'd say okay i'm gonna just make sure that i know what time our fast pass is okay it's at 310 okay now i'm gonna put it away and we talked imagine that and there was there was one thing that was crazy for me as an older parent of an older kid my 14-year-old really wanted to go ride a ride we rode already. And, and I said, you know, you can go. Go ahead. And I sent him off by himself. Now, of course, parents did this for many, 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 many years without phones and texting each other. And, you know, where are you based on where you were 30 seconds ago and, and find, find my friend. And I just sent him off into the park without a watch and without a phone. You're going to go ride that and take as long as it takes and then come meet me back in front of here. That felt weird. That felt scary to do that phone-free and communication-free. He came back like returning from the wars. You know what I mean? Like all, he was drenched from the flume ride. Yeah. He found his way there without using, uh, you know, Google Maps. And he found his way back without texting me to ask if it was a right or a left at the Hall of Presidents. And he he did it. And I also did letting him go and letting him come back without tracking him. I just was looking last night at something online and it was somebody posting. I wasn't supposed to do this because it's screen free, but it was like work adjacent. But it was someone posting something that was... um do you keep location tracking on your kids' phones even though they're in college? That was the question. And I was like, oh, what a bonkers question. And there were like 250 responses and 225 of them were, yes, I do. I have to know where my kids are at all times on location tracker. And that's something we talk about all the time on the podcast. If you don't practice getting out of that habit of knowing where your kid is every single second of the day, you're not going to be ready to get rid of it when they're in college. And like, then when do you turn right. off location tracking when they get married and then their wife turns it on? Like who not, you don't need to know where your kid is all the time. And I have a fifth grader who walks home from school by himself and all the fifth graders have phones and my kid doesn't have a phone. You know, there's a crossing guard at the corner. There's a crossing guard at the next corner. I basically know the route that he takes. And I have told him like, try to walk the same route that way if you get lost. But I've lost him like twice and I just walk around town and I'm like, has, we live in a small town, so I can literally walk around town and be like, has anyone seen my kid? And like right. someone has, and I sort of follow that route and find him. But like kids used to do this all day, every day. Like we didn't, that's another really interesting things about thing about phones. It connects you in this way that is like very tangential. And that is something I found. I could not believe how many more conversations we all had this week. Right. We talked about <laughs> on the way home from Disney in the car, we got talking about my teenager would say, what's a bigger company, Heinz or Smuckers? And then we'd all sort of muse what we thought was a bigger company. Right. This is a game he came up with. And we didn't know the answer because we couldn't immediately look it up on our phone. But the the point is to wonder. The point is to not know. And you use your imagination. And so we didn't know if we were right. And, and, the and guess what? I have the perfect coda to this story. So we get home from Disney World with our mostly screen-free experience, and guess what? We didn't have my son's phone. We left it at the hotel. We're tracking oh. it right now. It's sitting at the hotel. Yeah. I mean, the thing I want to underscore, the, my revelation about it was I, I was thinking, 
we're only on screens for an hour and a half a day at most. That doesn't seem bad when you see the national averages that are like six hours. And I was thinking, I just kept thinking it's only going to free up that amount of time, but somehow it freed up a bandwidth that I did not realize was being uh, taken up. Yeah, yeah. It didn't free up the time. It freed up some section of our brains that was turned off and that was less imaginative and that was less connected. And so we just had much more imaginative play, much more. It wasn't that we just spent the one hour having conversations instead. It was that all day we were more connected. I would go up to the kids' rooms at night and they would just chat with me for 40 minutes. It really changed things. It was amazing. Fervor of the convert. I'm waiting to scream for you. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. And then, and then the, you know, the tricky thing is when you say you can have screens back, I don't know, did you find like your kids don't rush to it like you think they did? Like they've learned how to walk on these new colt legs and they're not as immediately attached to go back to Clash of Clans as you think they would be. They will get back there, but it takes a while. And I think you need to build in now that we're on the other side of it, I'm going to try to build in screen-free spaces and places and be way more aware of how much I use my phone when I'm with my kids, in front of my kids, and be much more conscious about talking about, you know what, like we're at a restaurant, I'm going to leave my phone in my coat. I don't need it for an hour. We're all together. There's nothing I need to do in the next hour if all three of my children are with me that I need my phone for. Right. And I mean, I haven't even really, I mean, we could we could do a 45-minute conversation on this because I haven't even really discussed. Like, as I said, I was using my phone six hours a day. That seemed insane to me. I was like, there's no way that's possible. That must be just like me playing podcasts in the background while I'm doing laundry. No, I was wow. looking at my phone that many hours a day. Instead, I read a novel this week where really? the crawdads okay. sing. Right. I loved it. I recommend it. It was excellent. But I needed it as much as my kids did. We have not gone back to screens yet. So I haven't even introduced the concept because I didn't tell them when it was ending, but they're asking about it. And like, I am kind of like in this like moral dilemma and I've already introduced the idea of like, I think we would be a happier family if we did not watch screens at all during the week. If I could completely rid us of screens during the week. My kids yesterday went on a three hour expedition to the Yukon. They took out tents. They set them up. (laughs) They were like, we were like a completely different set of human beings without screens. And so I'm now like trapped a little bit in the fervor of like, we must now live a completely screen-free life and I have to find some sort of balance. But there is no argument I can logically make with myself that we should go back to using screens for an hour and a half every day. Right. But, but that, that's your default. I yeah. totally agree. I didn't think an hour and a half was a lot before we stopped, but having stopped now, I'm like, wait, we have to become, and I often have to tell you, I'll put some pictures up online. My kids, the one thing we also did, we made it really fun. The night before we treated it like reverse Christmas, you know, like we took, I have a computer, like an iMac of one of those like flat iMacs and it sits in the kitchen at my little desk in the kitchen. We unplugged it and brought it downstairs and we took blankets and we covered all the TVs in the house and we put all this stuff away in a box. Like we made a big production of like screens are going away. And my son was like, mom, it's like, we live like Amish people. <laughs> and he's like, I'm like, yeah, we're like Amish people with like a blanket over their TV. But they got really into the whole thing of it, but they are looking forward to having it back. And so I don't know. It's going to be interesting, I think, going forward. Like, where's the balance for us? I really want to fight to keep it much less than I thought. I think it's a sort of uh, a back to one thing that that it's like, this isn't a one and done. I think this is something you need to do once in a while. And screen-free, like afternoon or day is good, but I think you and I 
now have both sort of experienced, it takes about 48 hours for it to suddenly kick in. And then it's the easiest thing you've ever done. And then you can you know, never eat sugar again. Right. It's one of those experiences like, wow, once right. you're really, I mean, off. I am in the, like you guys, if you, when you stop eating sugar, everything in your life changes. Like I've become <laughs> that person about screens and that person is always annoying. But to me, it was just the thing of like every day. It's like they woke up that part of their brains. There's an oldie locks alert back in my day. Because it is a very old episode of The Simpsons where like the TV stopped working. Everybody goes outside. And everyone's yes. like, outside frolicking <laughs> and like they're like catching butterflies and like running in like May pole circles hand in hand. And like then someone's like, the TVs are back. And everyone just runs inside and like gets back under their blankets. And that's kind of how I felt. Like it felt very much like, oh my God, there's a whole world out there that doesn't involve screens at all. And that episode is so old. That was before the internet, that episode. I mean, that's Yeah, that's TV right. They part. were just watching TV. They were just watching TV. Oh my God, guys, this used to, there used to be a world like this. All right. So we, we think you should do it, right? We think, we think everybody should do it. You guys really try this. I, I I mean, I can't say enough about it. I could talk for another, this episode could be six hours long. Just me be like, and then another amazing Just listen to it. It It was a great week. Just listen to this episode until it's over. I sincerely thank you for suggesting this. I thought you were crazy and I was very annoyed at you for suggesting it. And I was wrong. And I admit that. All right. So what are our takeaways? We liked we liked the rubber band around the phone. We liked the rituals. I loved your idea of the rituals, like take them downstairs and put blankets over them and get the kids involved in, you know, making it seem like something special is about to happen. I'd take advantage of go to screenfree.org and take advantage of they have PDFs you can download and print out. My daughter's homeroom teacher did this with their entire homeroom. If you have a good relationship with a teacher or a PTA, you can bring it to their attention and suggest that the school make this uh, something that the school community is aware of for Screen Free Week. And one other thing I will say that we did very quickly is we did try to make a list of like, what are some fun ideas that we haven't had time to do? And one of them was like, we've been reading Harry Potter, like the family. And they were like, we wanted to make some Harry Potter stuff. So I got a like chocolate mold and we made chocolate frogs one night. Like it's like just little, like we've had some fun ideas, but like we haven't been able to fit them in. It's like, look at how much time we have to do interesting, creative things. But another thing I will say is I stayed out of it a lot in Screen Fruit. I let them fill the time. Right. So it didn't become a thing of like, now I have to be camp counselor, which is what I was kind of saying to you. Like, I don't want to do it because I, I like the free time. Like I let them do a lot of the stuff by themselves. Right. It's it's so worth it. Okay, so it's April 29th to May 5th. Like we said, you can do this whenever you want, but the idea, selling the idea to your kids that this is a nationwide movement can be very helpful. So we think you guys should try it. Go try it and then come to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash What Fresh Hellcast and tell us how it went. Or you can go on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast and send us pictures of your family doing things that don't involve screens. Frolicking, outside frolicking, guys. We want to yeah. see the pics. I have links to all sorts of studies and the Cal Newport's book and everything. I'm going to put them on our show page, whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. Or if you're listening in a podcast app right now, you can just tap or swipe and you'll see links to everything we discussed. Guys, go get your screen free on. It's really, really worth it. Go outside. (laughs) Everybody outside. (laughs) 
when it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.